Hello there. Welcome back to the KLH Podcast. My name is Christian Sanchez, and you're listening to episode 008 featuring Kate Cosentino. Now, my original intention was to get this episode out before the new year, but I have just been drowning in other work, uh, you know, outside of the podcast, outside of anything creative. So here we are in 2021, first episode. I uh, wouldn't want it to be with anyone else. Kay Cosentino is a childhood friend of mine, and she's just killing it in the music industry right now. Uh, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff. Just a little bit of brief background uh, on Kate. She just recently graduated from Belmont University with a Bachelor's of Business Administration and Bachelor of the Arts and Music Business and Songwriting. Uh, so she also gave her commencement speech. We'll talk a little bit about that um, around the 15 minute mark. Uh, but before we jump into it, uh, let's just go over some timestamps real quick. So as you can see up on the timestamps, uh, the first 30 minutes are you know, kind of just as scattered as the rest of it. Yeah. That's just what we do. when we're doing a uh, f- uh, freestyle podcasting like this, uh, American Girl Dolls, Taylor Guitar, St. Vincent, Pedal Boards, Religious Studies, Leadership and Public Speaking, Making an Impact, the Enneagram, uh, which is really interesting. That's something that I need to look more into. Uh, following up with the next 30 minutes, we've got what it means to have passion in music, uh, writing and collaborating during COVID and how Kate has found her work around uh, Kate's biggest distraction, uh, what it means for her to have goal setting, sleeping and manifesting her goals. Uh, in the second hour, we're stalking, we're, we're talking about the 75 hard, uh, a really challenging challenge that maybe some of you have heard about. I don't know. It's uh, it sounds really, really disciplined, and it's something that I should probably adopt in 2021. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, in the last four. 20 minutes. We've got a demo uh, that is by yours truly. I just couldn't help but make this episode a little bit about me. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, yeah, so we've got m- my demo. Kate was nice enough to show us one of her demos, although here's the deal, guys. You know, when it comes down to trying to release music and be successful, the last thing you want to do is uh, preview your music. Now, I made that mistake. You know, I'm going to preview my music, I'm going to own up to it, but it's not fair for me to just play Kate's music right before it's about to release. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know what we can do is when it does uh, release, I'll, I'll link it in, in the description below. So have a lookout for parking lot pennies coming out soon by Kate Cosentino. Uh, you can find her music on Spotify, Apple music, um, all the rest of the platforms. Uh, and I will include links to her, uh, socials in the description below as well. Okay. Enjoy the episode. Uh, take care. See you soon. I'm a literal headphone baby. People like crank it to 11 and I'm up to two, please. <laughs> I'm with the metronome at 20. Yeah. <laughs> click, click. Literally hurts so bad. Oh my gosh. But yeah, this is like my favorite way to have a conversation Mm -hmm. because it's, you can't, I mean, you can talk over someone, but it's like, you can can hear everything that they're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The last time I was here was probably like two years ago. Two years ago? I mean, maybe a year and a half or two years ago. It was right after you did that uh, project with American Girl Doll. Oh my God. That was high school. That was like four or five years ago. That was five years ago. No way. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Oh, whoa. I thought that was only a few. Oh, my gosh. No. Two years ago, I saw you in Nashville, but five years ago, you guys were here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. Is, is that American Girl Doll still available in stores and oh, stuff? Oh, yes. She's right there staring at you. Um, yeah. It's still still out there. Um, 
I'm still they have like a Guitar Hero style game like on their website and my songs in it and that like that's I've made that's it. That's so all I cool. need to do. I can do that now. Oh my god. So is that doll like modeled after you? <laughs> that doesn't look like me. Well, it, 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 I didn't know. It's called Kate, right? No, it's called Tenny. It's like basically they were like Taylor Swift. Let's make that a doll. So okay. she's like from Nashville, is a singer songwriter, like country girl, mm-hmm. and her mom owns like a hot chicken stand. Uh- and so like that's that's her. And she plays your song. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's in like awesome. the second book, it's like her song to her friend. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I know I've been, well, I was telling some people because like, I just started this new job. So we had to put the podcast on hold for a little bit Yeah, and then they were, they were like, so what are you excited about? I'm like, well, I get to pick it back up tomorrow and I'm, I'm meeting with one of my like childhood friends yeah. who happens to have a, a American girl doll. Like that was <laughs> commissioned like for her with her song. And I don't know, I, I have like, I've got two younger sisters, so they begged for American girl dolls like every single Christmas. Yeah. But they're expensive. They're like three hundred dollars each. Yeah, you know? they're pricey. They're pricey. But but yeah. like if you have one that is like modeled after you, then I feel like that's a threshold that you made it. Oh uh, yeah, it it definitely felt like a big success. I think the thing is like now when I see kids with this doll, I hit the mic stand. When I see You're kids good. with it, I'm like, I want to go up to them and be like, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Just be like so annoying about it. But it's fun. That's that would be especially legendary. Like as a child, if like someone has a figure ma- made like in relation to them, like yeah. that's uh, that's that's making it. Yeah, that's cool. It's fun for sure. You got you got um a Taylor guitar for it too, didn't you? Yes, that one right there. It's covered in washi tape because I'm non-committal in decorating it. But <laughs> non-committal in decorating it. Yeah, but that was really fun because I got to go like to this like Taylor warehouse in Nashville and like we recorded some like. That's behind so the cool. scenes content for kids and i got that guitar and i was like okay <laughs> this is the best day of my life i would take a free taylor guitar any day of my life yes i love it and it has that little like on the left side there's this tiny cutout, and i just love it like it's like that little lip on it it's just oh i love her a little lip wait I- so you see on the left there's like a darker like crescent on the side oh um, i see what when you're you touch about. it it slopes so it's not like a perfect oh. like it just i like it it's so that stupid cool. kind of like an electric guitar or yes something. Yeah. yeah oh wow that's so nice yes. i recently started uh doing business with this guy named steve mason in lawrence cool. he um he's a luthier and violinist um like you know so master neat. he creates guitars but in the 90s he's he owned the the biggest taylor dealership or the fourth biggest taylor dealership in the u.s wow. like by accident almost he he had, he went to like a, a NAM convention mm-hmm. was like, I re- I'm really interested in Taylor. And so he started opening up the operation in Lawrence, but then the guy that was selling Martins also wanted to get in on the action. And since they both were in Lawrence and, uh, Taylor felt so bad about putting two different dealers in one city. They said, the only place you can buy a Taylor guitar in Kansas is in Lawrence. So if you drive from Kansas city, in you're you're already 45 minutes in on a drive so of course you're going to actually go through with buying it yeah Hmm. so yeah he just took over the entire industry in the midwest basically wow yeah but that's great is he the guy who teaches i know there's like a luthier class or segment ku i had some friends like Mm. make guitars and i wonder if he i wonder if he's involved with that that. such a cool class like 
these people that were just art students were like, yeah, I made an electric guitar yesterday. I'm like, can Whoa. I, can yeah. I do that? It's yeah. one thing if you can fix up guitars, but if you're creating guitars, that's like yes. another level. Yeah. You know? Totally. What do you guys play again? What are your guitars right now? Like that you have? I, I was really fortunate with unemployment and Lovely. I, I, uh, I bankrolled enough to purchase the, uh, the 2020, uh, ultra Stratocaster. Oh, nice. Ultra. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it, the thing I really like about it is it's got awesome pickups and it's got kind of like a tailored, um, not tailored, but tailored, uh, neck. It's like a D shape. So yeah. it feels like a baseball in your hand yeah. when you're playing on the high register. Nice. So uh, yeah, the ergonomics is fantastic on it. The playability and but yeah, it's a Stratocaster. That's sick. That's Very awesome. Nice. Yeah. I also upgraded via unemployment this year. Thank goodness. Turn up. That's I, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I got a I think it's 2016 or 17 Jazzmaster. Oh, it's like what I've always wanted. Yes. So. What color did you get? The it's white? Uh, seafoam green actually. It kind of it's a it's similar to that but more green. Okay. Oh man, that's I love Jazzmasters. So I almost fun. got that instead of this one, but that's they're so really heavy. Pretty. Yeah, I just got this. This is St. Vincent's like specialty oh, wow. uh, Ernie Ball collaboration. That's and awesome. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. When did you get that? Like two days ago for my graduation. Oh. Yeah. No. It's, she made it, like she designed it specifically, like obviously anyone of any gender can use it, but it's for women because the cutout here, like, I mean, oh, it I fits see. a woman's body. Okay. Yeah. Well. I'm following. Yes. You get, um, and so I was like, that's sick. And I just love her and her music. And that's awesome. the three pickups are like, it has such range. I didn't think it could play like jazz stuff. I thought it would just be like Annie Clark shredder distortion crap. But uh, no, it's like the first pickup is very jazzy and warm. And then it just gets progressively more dirty. And they're, they're both, they're all three of them are humbuckers. I think so. I don't know. I'm dumb. I don't know much about the, which kind of pickups make which kind of sound, but they look yeah. like they, yeah, they look like it. That's, it's uh that's awesome. So what, what do you like about our music in particular that drove you to, to wanting the actual guitar? Oh man. You know, it's funny because I got into her listening to her like acoustic stuff. I don't know if you guys listen to her at all. I yeah. George has shown me a lot of the same things. You've heard some of it. I've yeah. heard some. I remember it being kind of rock and roll, whatever I was listening to, but yes. Know. Oh, it, it definitely is now. And it's, okay. it's weird. Like she opened for the black keys at sprint center. Like when we were in high school That's so oh. cool. and she, see, like I heard the acoustic album and then I saw her at that show and I was like, that's not the same person. There's no way she was kind of jazzy and weird, but I just like that. She just like creates this whole atmosphere around her show. She dances really weird, has these cool costumes and like, She's just not afraid to make the weirdest guitar tones I've ever heard. Like, it's really innovative. It's not like, oh, look at this tight, like insane virtuoso, like solo. But it's like, uh-huh. I put this pedal with this pedal and it made this weird. Like, she's like the image and heap of guitar. So yeah. I think that's what I like about her. Have you have you looked at like her pedal board or like how she organizes it? Like the I haven't and I need to. I've mostly watched videos just about like her making this guitar and just have lusted after it for like years. <laughs> I remember like at one point when I was first experimenting with, I used to hate pedals. You yeah. Know? I used to be like, I don't need them, but that was just cause I couldn't afford them. Yeah. <laughs> and then, expensive. yeah. So once I started finally experimenting with them a little bit, I'm like, Oh, these are pretty cool. I didn't know how to put them in the right order though. Yes. And then I also figured out after I put them in the right order that there's no such thing as the right order Yep. and that I should, you know, break out of those conventions, but I've yet to like rearrange my pedal board for a while now. 
But it totally transformed your sound. Totally. I took a class at Belmont that was like pedal boards. Oh, like really? it was That's all so cool. about I mean, I think it was called like guitar like gear or being a guitarist or something. But I was like, I want to be able to confidently say stuff about a pedal board. Because like, especially as a girl guitarist, sometimes people are like, where's your acoustic guitar? Yeah. And I'm like, shut up. So, but still, like after you learn it and they're like, oh yeah, this goes first, your tuner, and then this, you're I'm still kind of like, I don't know if there's really that much of a science aside from like a few things right like it, it certainly makes a difference if you put a reverb pedal before you know your 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 overdrive pedal it's yeah. going to sound like a lot more spacious of yes. an overdrive but yes. maybe that's what you want maybe maybe that's what saint vincent is doing right and so yeah you shouldn't be afraid to try that of yeah, course for sure yeah for sure what, what was one of your favorite classes at belmont oh god that's a question um it's funny because probably not my, I mean, I liked my music ones a lot. They were fun. But my religion class really rocked my world my first year. Oh, really? Because my Bible professor, Betsy, who I'm like friends with now, she walked in. She was like 27, so looked like a kid. And we were like, who is this? And she walks in, lights like a candle, is like peace. And I'm like, oh, God, what is this going to be? <laughs> like, oh. I didn't want to be converted. Like, that's what kind of made me scared to go to a Christian school. Yeah. And she like starts a lecture one day and she's just like there's nothing in the bible that says homosexuality is wrong these are the like versions that changed it to include that word and like she just blew my mind about like being like thinking through religion and it kind of like helped me find some peace with like not being so angry at it yeah so i like that class yeah yeah for sure that's really cool because i would think a bible study would just be like you know having the the teacher's version of the bible forced on you right but that's just that's just because of that that was my personal experience with religious education. Yeah. Did what, you take religious classes in college or just growing up in Catholic school and stuff? Well, I did. I studied. I got a minor in religious studies at KU. Okay, yeah. but you know that was more from an academic point, where rather than like studying who God is, I was studying how people were creating gods. Right. And right. in high school, though, I, I went to a Catholic high school where it was who god is yes you know uh but that's really cool that your professor was like conducting almost a genealogy and how the bible was changed yes over time exactly and like how to interpret it and like make peace with it yourself like she's like she would be like this is why you have sexual trauma this passage and the way people like to like use it to you know have power over people certainly and that was just like whoa like it made me appreciate parts of religion that before I'd just written it all off. Yeah. So I was like, this is really cool to be able to like, I don't know, just not be so angry, you know? Yeah. The pendulum swings both ways. There was a time when I was extremely religious yeah. to the point where I was probably like proselytizing any interaction that I had with my friends, right. you know? And then on the other hand, I was like, I hate all organized religion, no matter what I yeah. resent them all. And now with a little help from religious studies, I've come to appreciate what kind of role it plays in people's lives. Totally. And, and yeah, it would be a disaster just to dismiss it all. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. It, I've been coming to a similar uh, realization myself. I totally feel the same way. Like I really resented Christianity and religion in general towards high school, but something more recently has just given me some respect. Kind of like I didn't have that class. So that's, um, that sounds so cool. Uh, What did you, what were you raised in? Um, my mom was Catholic and I kind of grew up going to different Protestant churches on my own. Mm -hmm. 
like the kind of rock and roll coffee shop churches. You gotcha. Know? Uh-huh. That was a, that was a big part of it. <laughs> oh so I'm like, God. this is kind of like a good time. Like it doesn't look like anyone's here, like yeah. busting their ass for Christ. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh my God. Um, but more recently I see the value in that, like the community yeah. and just different things that are nice about it. That's but. so funny. That's like <laughs> the coffee shop rock and roll brand of Christianity. Like, that's what I hated so much in high school. Like, yeah. you'd think I'd walk in and be like, yeah, the music's good. Like, we have Call of Duty for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Like, I preferred the Catholicism because I was like, at least it feels like this old tradition. Yeah. Like, and more spiritual. Like, it's like its own thing. So I learned to love it or to appreciate it at mm-hmm. Belmont. <laughs> like, when people come up to you and they're like, have you found your church home? Or they'll be like, can I just pray for you for a second? And like, freshman year, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like sure whatever like I'm chill I'll just hang out <laughs> but yeah, it almost feels like when they're asking you to find your church home like they're they're wanting to they're not asking really how you're doing yes. they're asking like how can I make you vulnerable to my particular type of leadership or mm-hmm. the, my control system and mm-hmm. yeah I don't know you can tell when it's when it's not genuine right and I think a lot of it is just like a genuine they feel like oh I need to like spread this religion I need to like help people yeah so mm-hmm. i don't think it's always like ill intention to them but it's also like like calm calm down right like, it's a little that's a little private to me like my relationship with god or whatever has always been very like that's me mm-hmm. that's my spirituality whether it exists or not it's like not i'm not a big you know let me talk with a group about how god came down and told me to eat a hamburger like no yeah <laughs> yes that, that is interesting because like, our bassist, he comes from a background of uh, Latter-day Saints, mm. uh, the, the Jehovah's Witness that, that would come to your doors and stuff. Yeah. And like, there's a certain percentage of the, of the congregation that is called, that they're chosen. Yeah. And they announce it. They announce it to the whole congregation. There's 267,000, I think, in particular. Oh, my God. Out of the entire congregation who, who are called to be like some sort of like God sent messenger. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like a lot of pressure to put on yourself to determine that like, uh, I actually am one of the, I'm one of the chosen, you know, that is, that's a tough, especially if there's only 200,000, you're missing out on like six something billion people. Yeah. Or, or, or whatever, 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 whatever population of there yeah, is that's of, a lot. of LDS, uh, yeah. Followers. But it also seems like a trap for people who want to take control, yeah. you know, over others to be able to use that platform. Totally. Uh, what do you What do you feel makes good leadership then? In general or religion? In general. Oh God! I mean, I think a a focus on serving people yes. and like listening. That's what makes a good leader. I feel like it's not so much. I, I feel like when you become a good leader, like your self interest kind of goes out the door, and you become a vessel of like, okay, this is what like this community needs or my like band needs. Or whatever, and you hear what everyone's saying, and then your job as a leader is to like manifest that and like help. I don't know. Everyone stay on the path of what you're trying to achieve. I guess. Yeah, having a goal. So, how do you find that vision? Oh man, I think it is the listening aspect. When you're, if you're like, let's say, the leader of a group, I feel like when you take everyone's perspective in, you might be able to come up with the goal yourself because you're hearing the common themes of okay, they say they want this, they say they need this in their life. Like, as an outward person, I guess that's how you find it. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I ask you that because it, you gave the, the commencement speech at, at your graduation, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, you know, you're in a position of leadership in that, in that position. Uh-huh. What, what, how did you approach, like, writing that speech? 
my God. It was funny. Doug Howard, who's our dean at Belmont, he was so funny. He brought me into his office and he starts telling me all these stories. Like, he's like, how's your music doing? I love your music. Like, uh, do you have a publishing deal yet? And I was like, is he going to give me a pub deal? What's Ooh. going on? And then he was like, he was like, I went to law school. Like, someone paid for it. And I was like, you going to pay for law school? And then he was like, all that to be said. Like, I asked all the teachers around Belmont and like all your peers. And they just said your name was the one of the person who needed to speak. Wow. Which was like, I was just like, I almost cried like on the spot. Because yeah. I was like, that's. Like, in high school, I think it's easier to have an impact because, like, I don't know, you're just with those people your whole life. Everyone knows you. But certainly to go to like a university and be like the face was like took me aback. So writing it, I was nervous just because I don't know. I really loved my college experience. And like, it's a small school. So I knew everyone in the crowd. And I just wanted to say something where it was like, you know, goodbye. Like, this was so great. Like something that's I don't know made them happy to leave. It was scary because I hadn't written a like speech since high school, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think there was, I read some stats somewhere that was like the majority of people would rather die than give a public speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The number one fear in America is public speaking. Yeah. See, I wow. didn't think I'd have that fear because I literally all through college, I interviewed like all of the bands and industry professionals that came in, like for a crowd of like 350, like sure. every week, twice a week. Wow. And like, so I was like, oh, yeah, no, no sweat. These are the same people. It's in an auditorium. But there's something about, like, giving them the words that, go, like, to go on their journey. Yeah. That I was like, this is, like, yeah, this feels big. big. Yeah. That's big for sure. Yeah. But, you know. There's a whole lot of things. Yeah. Let's go. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask how it went. How did it feel? Um, like, while you were up there? It get- felt good. It felt good. I almost cried for sure. Just because I was like, oh, this is such a turning the chapter. But, like. The whole premise of my speech was that this is way less sad than high school graduation because this isn't a goodbye to these people. I will probably see them like tomorrow yeah. at Warner at BMG, like doing music because we're all doing the same thing. Like I'll see mm-hmm. them. Whereas in high school, it was like, I have like one friend from high school and like you guys didn't even go to my school. So saying goodbye to people from mm-hmm. high school is like bye to my whole childhood. The doors closed and now I'm a new person. Whereas this is like, Look what we've become, and now we're like marching together. So that was kind of like That's the awesome. premise. It went well. It was really nice. I love that. That is, yeah, because there's so many things you could say that are just generic and contrived mm-hmm. in a commencement speech, mm-hmm. and people are so good at picking up on that. Yes. <laughs> when you're when when you're not like you know actually fueling speaking to their passion, uh, yeah. it's hard to make an impact quickly. It, like you were talking about earlier, how you felt really nervous in your freshman year. Yeah. But then by the end, like towards your end of your senior year, you felt like it actually made an impact. Mm-hmm. When, when did like the, when did that occur? Like in your head, like when did you know, okay, I'm actually making an impact here, man. That's so funny. I feel like my college career was so insane. I feel like freshman year, it was like, Oh my God, like, I just gotta be good enough. Like, let's do everything I can. I was co-writing like five times a week. Oh. I was like in every single club you could have had, like, gunning like working to the bone i took 21 hours one semester like i was i didn't sleep and but like i had the fuel for it that year and like it was fun and but i still felt very like i don't know what i'm doing then at the end of that year i got to like run the songwriting club they picked me as like the person to be the president nice and so i was like okay here's where i make an impact and once i did that and people started giving me feedback like because i brought ex-ambassadors to the school like i got big speakers for people just from like trying to reach out And so, like, when I did that, I was like, oh, like, this is something that, like, my skills match and I'm serving, like, my peers. Like, I just got, like, these people to talk to a songwriter they've looked up to or, like, brought this band in that they really wanted to see. 
So that's when it started flipping. And then I'd say junior year after doing that for a whole year. And that was so much work. I was like, I'm so like over this. I'm so good. Like I know everything there is to know. <laughs> like I, if people don't pay me, I'm going to like lose my mind. Like I was a little too like egotistical. And then I went to L.A. and then senior year happened and all this Corona stuff happened and like totally humbled again where I'm like, yeah. awesome. There is no more grades. There's no more anything like it's all up to me now. And I think that is just very humbling where I'm like, I have the skills, but like there's there's no excuse of like, oh, yeah, I have that homework project. So I can't write that song right now. Now it's like, what's mm. holding me back? I don't know if you guys feel, feel that. We were kind of talking that before we uh, clicked on, but like having the time where mm-hmm. we were specifically talking about if you're not working yeah. and you have this time, it's just hurts if you don't like put it into something great mm-hmm. and you're like oh what am i doing with yeah. my free time but yeah you guys is scary. are you enneagram people do you guys follow the enneagram uh no mm. no oh my god okay so let me just hop on my my like nerd <laughs> geek moment so like i feel like whenever i explain the enneagram it's like that person who's like you're zodiac you're crystals yeah. read the stars <laughs> so it's this thing we learned about it in school where like every personality has a number and it's not so much like, oh, you're born into this number and that's what you are. It's like the ways that you feel successful, like what motivates you and like what doesn't and how that looks. And I've never like read something where I felt like personally attacked by that number. But like I'm a three, which is the workaholic. And I am mm. fueled by achievement and people perceiving me as successful, which hurts because I was like, I'm an artist. Like I do this because I love like what I write, which is true. But at the end of the day, I, ha- I realize like I have to have like I want to be making a certain amount of money. I want to like be seen as like this awesome put together person or I like it hurts me. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're saying about like not working and stuff, that guilt comes from me being like I there's like a guilt to be productive. Yes, there is. You know, yeah. and it's not even other people. Sometimes it's yourself. Like you feel mm-hmm. it yourself that you're like, I want to be great and I'm not doing it right now. Yeah. Which is so unfair because like, you know, it's a pandemic and it's also nice to like, you know, relax and do your hobbies yeah. and have fun. It's especially. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, man. Oh, I was just going to say, it's especially weird coming out of school. And this is a weird time, you know, coronavirus, like unprecedented. So it's like this is the moment in our lives where we're supposed to like this is where we finally get to like see what our skills can uh make happen for us and it's it just it's easy to make excuses that's kind of where i've been at lately i've been like oh well, coronavirus like right. that's why my career is not flourishing but i don't know yeah and the truth of the matter is like you, especially when you're a workaholic type mm-hmm. as much as you want to just love yourself and be like my entire identity is determined only by what i think of myself mm-hmm people are going to eventually think about you mm-hmm. and you know that too. So you want them to think highly of you. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that way, your identity is partially determined by what other people think. Oh yeah. And that, that's a lot of power to give people. Oh, I think yeah. it makes you vulnerable, but I also think it makes you better because it helps you to be a better leader by considering what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it, it's tough though, because how do you, how do you find that, that balance between life and, and work when you're, now you're now you're not getting grades anymore, like you said. Right. You know, and our entire lives we've been taught that as long as you can get straight A's, that mm-hmm. you're on the right path to success. <laughs> right. But then I meet some business students, for example, guys that are in fraternities, and nothing against Greek life, but you know, those guys don't have as good of grades. Yeah. 
And, uh, but they have an awesome network of people and they're going to probably make a lot more money than someone who's getting straight A's, yep. which seems unfair, yep. but that's real life. Yep. It's way more about the networking and your people skills than it is about the grades. And what's on get. paper. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, if I could change like some fiber of my being in any way, it would be the short circuit that makes me like finish every assignment and put 200% in because that, I mean, that's something that will be a benefit to me and will set me apart from people in a job, I'm sure. But it's also my detriment because I'm like, why? Like so many times you do homework and I'm like, why do I care? This is literally a gen ed. I already have like an 102%. It doesn't matter. Or like, I, I can't bring myself to not do it. It's so weird. But some yeah. people, you know, the, the type they get through with C's their whole time. They don't show up to class. They show up drunk. They don't care. Yeah. Same degree. They get the well, same yeah. degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and then they go on and they're successful because I, I don't know, maybe they just found a way to be themselves mm-hmm. and, and detach themselves from the day to day. Like you, you can go in one day and, and out the next thinking you're a winner one day and a loser the next. Yeah. How do you separate yourself and continue to just simply play the game? Yeah, it's, a, it's difficult. That's the hardest thing. That's like, I feel like that's the thing they talk about with meditation, where you recognize good moments and bad moments just as moments. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to somehow not get too upset or too overexcited to just keep saying like, this is the next step. Like a no is a part of the process. It's not something that should crush you, but it's way easier said than done. And, and like you said, you wanted to complete assignments to like the fullest uh, like capacity that you had. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for quality. Yeah. I really cherish quality over quantity, but I've recently been trying to complete my assignment, so to speak, uh, with the mindset that what is the least amount of work I can do to sufficiently finish this the fastest? Yep. And it allowed me to be a lot more productive. Totally. But I don't know if the quality is still there. Mm. Yeah, it's weird because you have to like think about like you don't want to say you're doing the bare minimum, but right. sometimes that's all you need. Like right. and mm-hmm. if it helps your mental health too to not like drain yourself so much with every task, then it's like, okay, like I sent the email. It's a fine email. Mm-hmm. I wrote the like layout. It doesn't need to be like harder than it is sometimes. Right. Cause you're you're and, and in a way you're making it harder on yourself by doing that and, right. and requiring perfection and everything. Right. I find that really keeps me from writing music sometimes too. Right. Yeah. I've always been curious about you guys because like we've been apart for so long, but I watch you, you know, through social media and I'm like, Oh, they're always still doing the thing. Like they got all these songs and they sound so good. They're always doing some cool creative project, but I'm curious, like, how did you guys balance? Like you were working, you're in school, you had a band, you have girlfriends and relationships you need to maintain. Like how, how did you guys hand or how do you handle all of that at the same time? For me, it's micromanaging myself, like scheduling everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't like scheduling everything because sometimes it feels like if I only even with even with Corey, you know, like being like, all right, we're going to hang out for sure on Monday night, starting at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like, w- that's one of my plans tomorrow night is to make sure I give her that time, because uh, it also reassures her that I'm making time for her. Yes. Um, and, and making time for what's important, having my priorities in order. But yeah, micromanaging myself. Mm-hmm instead of having someone else micromanage me yeah. is really nice. Yeah. Um, and well, I don't know. What, what about you, George? How, how have you achieved your balance? I, th- well, I don't think I have the balance anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> while I was in college doing everything, uh, trying to balance things, I think 
It might not be great advice, but I feel like the best work I ever put out in anything always comes when I don't have enough time to do it, which yeah. is which makes no sense at all. Like I'll be the most uncomfortable and stressed and it'll be the best that it can be. Whereas now I have all the time in the world mm-hmm. and I don't think it's it's quite uh, as good as it could be, whatever it is. Oh, my God. So I don't know. Maybe overload yourself a little yeah. more. <laughs> That's I don't know if you guys I, listen. Do you listen to Song Exploder? Mm, new podcast so. new podcast song but, exploder with like, an x or with an uh, with an x ex like just explode like oh, okay. explode with an er okay but phoebe bridgers on her like episode talked about that and was like I, she was quoting someone else but that your art should feel like you're having an affair where you're so busy <laughs> that you just want to <laughs> squeeze it in like in like yeah. hide in a closet go record your song like do stuff like that so i totally there is get something that. about that yep I only have five minutes to do this, so it like whatever it is, it better be exactly. Yeah, right. You, you right. get it. So, yeah. how do you know when a song is done? You know, because you because you, you suffer from the perfectionist uh, dilemma. Yeah, I man, I feel like I don't suffer from that with songs as much. Oh, with songs for me, I just want it to be finished. Like I have to in co-writes. I'm the worst at being like, let's walk away and come back next week. I'm like, we have three hours. We're getting it done. Yeah. And then if it's not good, we'll do another song next week. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But I guess for my artist project, I am more of the perfectionist. And I guess I feel like I know it's done when I can enjoy listening to it. Yes. Which is harder than you think. I mean, you guys know, like you hear your own music and when you can listen to it and just be like, oh, that was so good versus listening to it and being like, hmm, I was a little pitchy there and the tempo is just kind of off and I don't like the snare that they put on like part three, you know? Yeah. And and in in the beginning, it's easier because it's like a fresh new idea and you're pumped about exploring it. Mm -hmm. But then towards the end of the process, you're like, I forget what it was like for this to sound novel in my ear. And now all I can focus on are the bad things. Or I, sometimes I'll listen back to a track and then it'll end. I'm like, shoot, I forgot to listen. Yeah. And yeah. But you have to, you have to cut the cord at some point. Yeah. So deadlines are really yeah. important, certainly. Yeah, that's a really weird balance. Because you, on the one hand, you want to put out, like, you just want to keep cranking stuff out. Because content is king. And, like, I don't want these songs to sit on my shelf collecting dust. But yeah. on the other hand, you're like... I don't want to put out something bad. And then everyone knows me for this really shitty song that I put out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm curious. Uh, I imagine you probably have like a lot of songs that you haven't been able to put out just because of whatever, like you just yeah. like, what do you do when you have a song that you love? That's like three years old or however old. And mm-hmm. you're like, I want to put this out, but it's so old now. Ah. I mean, if it still holds up, like there's one I think I might actually record from like literally from senior year of high school. But because I play it like at writer's rounds in Nashville and that one always seems to get some sort of like, oh, I really like that song. It's so catchy. So I'm like, well, it still holds up. Uh Like, it's not like I wrote in 2017, like my face looked like this. Like, it's not that specific. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of it's production, you know, like it's not going to sound dated pretty much like between that many years i feel like yeah. i don't know but it is weird to bring old stuff out i don't know if you guys feel that way with your stuff mm-hmm. i get nervous about it yeah because it's lost that that novelty mm-hmm. so I, yeah. I have to think about what was it like when i was first writing this why was i so excited about it 
and and try to conjure up that same passion again. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll write because an idea just hits me like an epiphany. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, all right, let's just sit down. Let's just open up Logic and plug in the guitar and, and just start the process and hope that something emerges from mm-hmm. that. Uh, where, where, do you find, where do you find your passion in it? Like, how do you, what do you, and also, what do you think about passion in general? Mm, man. Deep questions. Deep questions. That's like <laughs> so heavy. Um, Dang, this is this is where you see the dichotomy of my business brain and my creative brain. Yes, because I like you will just plug in logic like I write. I hit my 100 songs like yesterday. I write a lot like 100 songs this year. What? the? Yeah, Yeah, this year. I know, but don't like none of half of them are crap. Half of them are 30 seconds. Crazy. So but it's because to me writing the song now, I see it as my job. And it's like it's like stretching like an athlete. Like I have to put in the practice or doing your warm ups like I don't I'm not excited about that. Usually sure. I'm not like passionate about that, but I recognize that like I have to do it. And for those moments that lightning does strike and I'm like, oh, this is a song. It makes me so much better. And that makes that that song actually happen better. So I see it as like you have to be passionate enough to go to the gym and work your muscles out so that you have the body for when the competition comes up, which is a song, you know, it's that same thing, which is hard because Mm. I think a lot of people see that as like taking the joy out of what you love, but I'm like, so do you kind of like schedule these times for creating? Yeah. Like you'll do it. Even if you're not feeling it, you have a time to do it. Yes. Like right now. Well, co-writing is the key for me because then I have another person that I can't let down. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. I can't like, leave dakota on the phone like i have to go write with her because i care about that relationship mm. you read on the phone yeah well we'll write on zoom i on see zoom. yeah that's so interesting do you live like do you play live together yeah. and it, it works out i mean usually it works best if one person is playing an instrument but yeah yeah because the, the lag the is kind of just yeah that's interesting yeah but it's a weird balance for sure. Whether it be over Zoom or in person, how, like what's the first thing you're thinking when you're approaching a new collaboration with someone you've never co-written with before? Oh my God. It's, I mean, it's really like dating. It feels yeah. like a date. Like you walk in and like mm. the first thing is like, I want to try to connect with this person. Yes. I want to be like, what's that? Like, where are we going to write the song in the sweet spot? Because like, <laughs> if we both have a breakup, like what's going That's on? So what music do you like? So that's like the initial thing. and then. Like, I never go in, like, let's write a hit song. Like, <laughs> I hate that. Everyone wants to write a hit song. Right. I'm like, we're going to write a good song. And then if it works, it works. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, prompts are good, too. Like, oh. that can be a fun inspiration. But usually I'm just like, what are we, what are we feeling? Like, let's oh, make yeah. something and have fun. And that's where the best stuff works, I feel like. I feel like prompts have been extremely useful right now in COVID because... Mm-hmm. Like you just said, when you approach a new collaboration, you're like, what have we just both gone through? Like in our lived experiences. Yeah. There's not a lot of lived experiences when you're cooped up at home. Yeah. So mm-hmm. have you been mainly relying on prompts or have you been able to, to take uh, inspiration from being locked down? That is such a good point. I feel like from March to like, I don't know, June I, or like April to June, I was like, I, I have no life. What do I write about? Like, I'm sure you guys felt that way where it's like, I ha- what is my existence? Mm-hmm. I sit yeah. in my room and like everyone's writing about being depressed in their room right now. So what yeah, do I no write kidding. about? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think something switched for me. I did this songwriting camp over the summer and like, I just like started processing old emotions from things I was too busy to process throughout uh-huh. college, like reading old journal entries, 
thinking about relationships that I had and like that that brought some of my best writing out I think ever where I was like you know I never dealt with the trauma of that breakup or like the weirdness of that situation and like trying to paint that movie in a in a song has been helpful so like revisiting past experiences totally not related to today yeah totally interesting I think it's easiest with relationships because you're like, okay, so-and-so, this happened, yeah. I got the story. But, you know, sometimes even I'll be like, remember how I felt when I first got to Nashville? Or remember how mm. I felt when I, like, embarrassed myself in that class? You know, yes. that, that helps. Mm-hmm. I think that we all have a lot of undealt with trauma or even just experiences that we've suppressed for whatever reason. Oh, my God. Maybe even just because we don't have enough time to do it. Totally. Mm-hmm. And now that we do have the time to do it, I personally have felt almost just afraid to even try to dive down deep into those emotions. But they're so rich yeah. because time is time's passed from them. Yeah. So you, you have a new perspective on them. Totally. Yeah. Is the scary part that you just don't want to revisit it or that you like don't know how to make art from it? What's what's the fear? That's a great question. I think it's probably a mixture of both. Um, I think if I don't, I think I know how to make art from it, mm-hmm. though. But if I don't take that first step in just deciding to process it, then I won't be able to have something to work with to make the art. Yeah. So it's probably just that general fear of even wanting to dive deep into my past or even admitting to myself. Yeah, you have some stuff you should work on. Right. You know, right. I've been doing that a lot more because I've had the time, but even then transforming it into art has not been as easy because I've also been just slammed with my new job, my other job and trying to just stay afloat right now. Yeah. But totally. I felt kind of weird too. Cause I almost um, like, like you said, a lot of people are probably writing about their own experiences being in their room, mm-hmm. maybe not feeling so great. And especially like uh, right around when the Black Lives Matter stuff started or the George Floyd murder and, you know, coronavirus. I felt kind of weird um, talking about my feelings. I'm like, should I be talking about like other like should I be writing about yeah. this civil rights movement? And I don't really feel in a place to do that. But I also feel kind of weird talking about myself when the world is in such a weird uh place i'm like maybe totally. people don't want to hear how i'm feeling right now totally um but i don't know how do you how do you guys feel about that i definitely had that where i was like it's that weird like dual edge sort of like i really care about this issue like i really really care i'm not wanting to write i want to write like something else right now but i want the everyone to focus on you know the movement that's going on because i support that it's mm-hmm. just weird i felt very stuck during that month very like you know, I don't know. It was just a heavy time. Yeah. A very I think heavy a lot time. of people felt that way because everyone was like not posting. Yes. And, and everything just like, oh, we, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to take away from the dialogue. Yes. It was weird. It, it was, was clearly yeah, it was clearly very heavy. And like it was important that we amplified black voices at that time and yes. tried to not promote ourselves. Yes. And then but then transitioning back into that, like when, when do you decide like, hey, you know, I have to continue to move my career forward right. and I have to continue to express and explore the ideas that I've been digesting in all this time. And of course, some of that's going to be influenced by uh, movement and civil rights. And some of it's going to be just centered on, on myself, too, mm-hmm. because, you know, that's even though the universe certainly does not revolve around me, yes. the only way I picture the universe is from my Your perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I would be foolish to think that that's not the case. Right. And that's what you want from an artist. You want their perspective. That's what you sign up for. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's totally fair. You know, people want to hear what you think 
about things that are going on in your lens through this time for sure exactly kate are you a member of the there's this facebook group called diy tour postings i think i am yeah it's uh it's really interesting it's a bunch of diy musicians and it's like a tour networking page Mm -hmm. but you kind of get a feel for maybe how the community feels like Mm -hmm. people like us that are trying to start their own music or like oops have their music career touring i guess basically is what it's for but man some of those people are like if you play shows like you deserve to to die or whatever you know that kind of intensity i'm like man i really better not step wrong here yeah that's i think the social media aspect of it all like i think none of us wanted to post this summer because it just felt like even now, I'm like, if I post a picture somewhere that I went, yeah, like, it's like, why are you there? Exactly. Or like, <laughs> I'm with a group of friends. I'm with a group of my family. How irresponsible you went home for Thanksgiving or like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's so, it's so, so weird. And like, and I do the same thing too. Like if I see friends that are at a bar without their masks. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. But like, but that's only yeah. where I draw the line. Right. Really. Right. And, and there's there's no consensus anymore. In the beginning, it was very easy. Mm-hmm. Everybody stay home. Yep. And nobody yeah. go out for anything whatsoever. Yes. And, and that was across the nation. But now diff- states are doing it differently. Cities and, and, and precincts are doing it differently. And so I don't know what, what is universally acceptable because there's not a common law. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the hardest things about the time period right now in our generation is there's no unified ideology. There's not a unified, like, truth we don't know what the yeah. truth is from our news like if you, i don't know if you guys watch the social uh the social dilemma or yeah. whatever yeah that was like so telling that it's you know everyone just sees what is being fed to them by their own algorithms and mm-hmm. it's like you know like i got invited to a debate watch party oh by i, I don't want to like talk about them they're great people but i didn't realize that we had opposing political views until like about two minutes into getting there and they asked oh, me who shoot. I was voting for. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, we're all in our twenties. Like, obviously I'm voting a certain way. And they're like, Oh, well we think the opposite, but that's totally fine. That's and like, good. after watching that documentary, like I made a point to like find common ground and like have a good conversation. But it was crazy hearing, like they think certain facts, like they're getting fed different facts than I'm yeah. getting fed. And it makes me just question all of them. It's weird. It's yeah. weird. It's weird, but my family's conservative. So like, I'm kind of like constantly mm-hmm. on guard, making sure not to say something or to yeah. dive into an argument. So I, I know what you mean. It is so weird how different yeah. our views are. Like, cause like you said, we're getting totally different information. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly a healthy level of skepticism to have, mm-hmm. but at some point you have to just say, you know, I think this is the truth, yeah. you know, and I think it requires you to look at like the sources and whatnot. Well, we were all taught how to, how to do research. Exactly. But there's not a lot of people out there trusting how to do the correct research, you know, yeah. and, and 30 years ago, you wouldn't even think twice about reading an article from the New York times yeah. or so I'm told, you know, but nowadays all anyone ever reads is the op-eds which are just, yeah, there's facts in there, but they're just surrounded by opinions. Yeah. Well, and it could be a full-time job to be a completely informed, politically involved citizen. Oh, yeah. Like, I get I get half my news from my parents because they sit there and they watch it for hours. And they know everything that's going on and they read books and, like, and I'm like, I don't, I, I need, like, the highlights in, like, mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Like, it's oh, huge. Like, and it takes up a lot of emotional energy, too. Oh, yeah. So, it's, ugh. 
It's weird. I don't know. I don't think Vox is like the is you know straight down the middle and balanced. I think mm-hmm. that they're definitely very left leaning. Mm-hmm. But I am subscribed to Vox sentences, mm-hmm. which are just like straight facts. Like you know the the UK Prime Minister did X, Y, and Z today. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I know that. And I know that that's not sentences, Vox sentences. Yeah, I like that. I get it every day. And and it's just sentences about what happened in in the past 24 hours. And but even even if I read them all, I'm like, okay, cool. Now now I'm very educated. Now I understand what just happened in the world. But I don't retain the information because we're not designed to take in that much info (laughs) all the time. It's it's a full time job. Yeah. 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 To know what's going on, you're totally right. Like, I don't think anyone has the time to to be. And you're, well, sh- and you're shamed if you, yeah. if you aren't informed. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what, arguing with people like my dad, I'm not someone that's super well-informed. Um, I'm not going to act like it, but I mean, it seems like most people tend to take on that responsibility. Like, well, did you not read about this? You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And it's like, did you read about it? Because like, I don't know anyone that reads about it. Yeah. I mean, some people do, but it's just, it's really weird. There's like this fake um, kind of... Uh, projection that we're all doing our research, and I just don't think most people are. I don't think a lot, of pe- a lot of people aren't reading. A lot of people are, are watching the yeah. news, mm-hmm. and that's just like reading yeah. the op-eds, you know, because you're not getting the facts before forming your own opinions. You're getting opinions with sprinkled in facts, and then there's no room, there's no time for you to make up your own mind. Right. But I have nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with actually watching cable news. I just think it'd be more productive if you if you made up your mind before turning on the TV. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I also hate this mentality of fake news. I hate that it's like Mm -hmm. any opinion or fact that's given is tarnished by someone's bias, because no matter what, there's inherent human bias and whatever's put out there. Someone wrote that article. Someone like you can try to be as partisan as possible, but there's always a little bit of bias. It's your job as the reader to, you know, sift through all of that or as the watcher to sift through it. So when people are like, it's so biased, I'm like, take I know it's hard sometimes. Like, I don't like hearing the super broy way someone talks. Or yeah. like, I have my own bias when someone speaks about something sometimes. But it's my job to get over my own bias and say, what are the facts they said? What are the good points? And what are the things I disagree with and why? And research mm. that. It's just hard. It's a lot. It's a full time job. Yeah, and, and like you said, like finding that common ground is, yeah. is so important because, you know, I said 30 years ago, people would believe the New York Times. 30 years ago, we were not as polarized politically, but it's been in the age of rapid information expansion yeah. that we are, you know, being exposed to different fact timelines and are now unable to find that common ground where yeah. I can talk to a conservative minded person and I have no problem now because I, I'm not assuming that they're just like Newt Gingrich. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I bet you they have a bunch of nuanced opinions that I just have been too ignorant to listen to now. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't agree with them, they deserve to be able to be heard. Yes. And, and that's important. But like it, it's 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 a full time job. It's distracting from what I want to do, which is make music. Mm-hmm. So that alone can make me angry. But. I guess I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to stay focused too when I when I decide to sit down and write music. But what what do you find is whether whether it be political or or social is your biggest distraction in your life right now? Oh, I hate my phone. I, I hate my phone so much. Like it because I hate and I love it, and that's why I hate it so much. Mm, yeah, because like it connects. Like I the only reason I have my phone on for the most part is if like my boss calls me, my mom calls me, my boyfriend calls me, like. 
to keep in touch with people. But I get like 500 notifications from TikTok and social media. And like, I almost got to the point where I was like, I'm going to delete it all, be that girl. But I'm like, our careers rest on social media. So I physically cannot delete it because I have like, that's how you build a fan base. That's how you keep people updated. Like you have to be on. So I need to like, I feel like I need to go to rehab or like (laughs) something for being able to be like, all right, I'm going to spend an hour on my phone today, like 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night. And I'm done. That's exact. We were just talking about that on the way over. That's what Christian, uh, you, that's what you do, right? Yeah. I wake up, I do 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night, turn yeah. off all my notifications, put my apps on a different uh, page and I don't check it during the day. How has that like affected you so far? Has it been great? It's been great. It's been great. I, uh, I watched the social dilemma. Um, and I think there's a lot, I think that I'm still certainly exposed to that same toxicity because I'm engaging with the platforms. And when you engage with them, you're accepting that you're going to be, you know, fed some of that toxicity Mm -hmm. but i feel like i'm in a little bit more control because i'm i'm choosing exactly when i want to engage with it right i wake up in the morning i post on linkedin and then i move over to instagram and like i don't know just see if someone's like pre-save something maybe i'll like talk to them a little bit message them in their dms Mm -hmm. and uh and then get off yeah because i i got other stuff i got to do um but it's so tempting during the day still, like, yeah. especially when you go to the, you go to the bathroom you're just like, what am I going to do? I, I got to have my dopamine rush while I'm sitting on the toilet. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. And like, I don't know if you guys like, I think about this a lot, which I, I know shouldn't be a big deal, but like, Oh, I didn't respond to that person's photo. They're going to notice. Or like they DM'd me like two days ago and I didn't respond. Like the immediacy for needing a response to some people, like, or the fear of missing out is huge. Mm -hmm. Not so much for me, like, oh, I didn't go to that thing. It's more like, oh, like someone messaged me like that. I should have been there. Like, why didn't I turn on my phone like that? But like checking it twice a day should be enough. It should be. And you know, there's a, Instagram knows that we, uh, we feel this way too, because it, it might get to the point where that, feeling of pressure and feeling of guilt that you didn't respond to someone might push you to delete the app. Mm-hmm. And so before you do that, they just put a new feature in where now you can swipe uh, left on a message and click unread. Mm-hmm. So they don't, so the person doesn't know that you actually read their message. Dude, that is so, I've been waiting for that feature because I have all these red messages that I don't want to respond to. Yeah, but you're like, how do they know that exists? That exists right now. That must be new. new and it's to help you cope with that so that you can keep using the platform. That's okay, crazy. I actually, <laughs> I, I need that though because I literally just leave them all unread because like, I will like be like, oh, yeah. it's going to take thought and I don't want to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what I do too. And then you read it and then it's lost yeah. if you don't respond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so but like you, you do want to respond, but you just, when you're under the pressure to respond in a very short amount of time, you don't feel like you're going to give a genuine response. And right. the last thing you want to do is be disingenuous. Right. right. So yeah, I think that feature helps, but I also feel like it, if you don't need to be on social media, it's probably going to help. It's probably going to hook you even deeper. <sighs> yeah. 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 They're so smart. They're, They're so, smart. so smart. They nailed it. They nailed it. They did. Oh, man, along kind of those lines with like habits that we have, is there are there any habits you've formed or like had to battle since March, since quarantine happened? Getting up early. How <laughs> early? Are you I, a 5 a.m. kind of guy? Or? I was doing 5 a.m. for like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And then so I just recently got this bracelet here called an Amazon Echo. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it helps me track my sleep. So when I'm in, when I'm sleeping, like in the, in the morning, it'll show me how long I was in deep sleep, REM, light sleep, or like being disturbed. Mm-hmm. And it rates my, my sleep, um, on a scale of like zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I'm always trying to get at least a 70%, like a C minus, you yeah. know? And I was noticing that because I was waking up an hour early, even though it's getting a little bit more done, I was probably like deteriorating my mental health because I was only getting fair sleep. Oh, okay. Now I'm waking up at 6 a.m., getting an extra hour in, and uh, I'm getting good sleep. Yeah. And I, fi- I find that like that my interactions with people are more quality yeah. because I'm getting better sleep. But I still like to get up a little bit before the sun comes up. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and not because I'm like, I, I don't know, just wanting to watch sunrises, which I do like. <laughs> But I heard somewhere along the line that the most productive people get up an hour before the sun comes up. Yes. And I just, I want to be part of that, part of that population of the most productive people. Yeah. And, and so if that, if that helps, then okay, I'll do it. I love that. That's great. I'm also trying to write down my goals too. Always good. I recently read that this is crazy to me too, that 84% of people do not have goals. Like in general. I can't even imagine that. I've never not had a goal. Right. Where, where is that? I don't get it. Yeah. And then of, and then of the other population of the other 16% of people who do have goals, uh, it is 13% of them who have them, but don't write them down. And those people on average are 10 times more productive than the population who has no goals. Mm-hmm. And then that last 3% write them down are 10 times more productive than those who have goals and don't write them down. Yeah. Which makes you almost a hundred times more productive than those who don't have goals at all. Yeah. It's crazy. So, and, and, it, and it takes like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That is some wild stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about manifesting lately. Yeah. I'm not exact. I've become more spiritual. I feel like as I've gotten older, like mm-hmm. like we talked about, we used to be like oh, so anti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But something about life these last couple of years, um, I've been thinking of kind of about the idea of um, you've been talking about how important it is to write your goals down. And it just seems that maybe there really is something to speaking things into existence. Yeah. Like it's, I, looking back, anything that I feel like, um, I'm not trying to like give myself my own credit or whatever, but like, uh, if there's something that I've like put out into the world in the past, mm-hmm. it seems it's to kind of like uh, happen as long as you say that you're going to do it yeah, and decide and like write down, like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I don't know. What do you guys think about manifesting things into existence? I think that's so true. I mean, it's kind of like on a more like simple level, but like if let's say you say all the time, Oh my God, I love cats. Like cats are my favorite thing. Like all your friends know you, like if they had to list things about you, they'd be like, Oh, she's this, this and this. And she really likes cats. Yeah. For Christmas, you're going to get cat themed gifts. Like you're going to get all this mm, stuff yeah. because you're speaking this like thing about yourself that why would I know that about you unless you told me, exactly. you know? And so I feel like that has been something I've had to practice throughout college. That's really hard because of the business and the creative where when people ask me what I'm doing and I'm in my business suit interviewing people working on the business side of music, they're like, oh, well, what what do you want to do? And I'm like, I am an artist. I don't say I'm going to be an artist. I yes. say I am an artist. And that's what I'm doing. I can't, like, and the more I say it, the more I believe mm, it. Whereas yeah. it used to be like, I wanted to hide that, especially in high school where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do music, music, but maybe I'll get a business job and yeah. maybe I'll do oh, law, yeah. you know? Cause you don't want to say that crazy dream, but if I say it, it makes it more like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. There's, a, there's a mixture a of like, practice. it's good to be humble and, and, but you're also probably before speaking into existence, afraid that what if I say it? And other people hear me and then I don't live up to it. Mm-hmm. And then everyone views me as a failure. Oh so I God. might as well just not try it. All. No, you know, that is just 
It, it's a very toxic mm-hmm. thought loop to find yourself in, and mm-hmm. it's one that I can totally relate with. Right, right. Or just like, I feel like the hardest thing right now for me is like, there are things I want to manifest, and I want to like get spiritual and think about them. But sometimes my fear stops me because the thought of not achieving them scares me so yes. much. That's kind of what where I'm coming to recently. That's why I say it's like if you write it down or you say that it's going to happen, it seems to happen. But there are these things like becoming a successful musician. Like I've been saying, hopefully that'll happen for years. But yeah. like I'm never like, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. There's just I don't know why, but there's something about it where I don't know. I feel like you could manifest that, but like. And it might even just work. Yeah. But I don't know. I just kind of am afraid to commit. How do you say that to yourself? Do you say, I'm going to be a successful musician? Or do you give yourself metrics? Like, I want to Mm. open Um, for this band. Or I will be playing tours. Like, how does it look? The last time I wrote down goals, I had three. And the one that pertained to creating things was, I want to share music and art with the world. So it was, like, completely fucking excuse my language really (laughs) really broad yeah because i was like whatever that means that's like a mission statement yeah but how does it look for you do you are you more specific it depends like i have my like overarching goal which is like to make music that moves people like i just had to come Mm -hmm. up with like a mantra that i'm like that's my why that's why i do it yes but when i write down goals like i it used to be big like i'm like all right i will be performing all the time and i'm like what's that like, how does that look? Is that really a goal? Uh-huh. Whereas now I try to be more like, all right, what's the next right step to get me closer to my overarching goal, which is be a full time musician that has like X amount of fans. Now it's like, OK, I am going to like, I don't know, release this album. I am going mm-hmm. to like be someone who practices every day or I tell people like when they act like if you're like, OK, what are your habits? I'm like, oh, yeah, I practice every day. Maybe I don't. But like. If I say it, I'm more likely to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make yes, sense? Yes. You know? Yeah. It's like when someone asks you about your workout routine and you're with people and they're like, oh yeah, I run like five times a week. And you're like, I don't want to say like, I don't yeah. do, <laughs> do anything. So if I just say it, then I'm like, well, I said it. I guess I got it. Like, it can be good to have that external pressure where you're like, I told them that I, that I practice. So I'm yeah. <laughs> I love, I do love metrics. I think. It's a slippery slope, but like, you know, with like the Spotify wrapped and stuff, like it, sometimes people care, sometimes people don't care. I love to see growth over the years. Yes. You know, two years ago, we had like, I think 420 listeners or yeah, 420 streams maybe total in the year. Mm-hmm. And so now we've been able to grow that like, you know, just under 20K, which isn't, it, that's not enterprise level. That's still very DIY. But the right. fact that there's growing, you know, everyone wants to be number one. Mm-hmm. And I see tech companies all over the place. Like they're, they're all claiming they're number one. By, by, you know, certain metrics that yep. are per, are picked, cherry picked for their industry yeah. to make them number one. But I think it also is a bit tunnel vision and, and it, it prevents us from playing the long game if we if we focus too much on just the metrics alone. Right. So, yeah, when, when I hear that, like you're just, you know, maybe just saying like, yeah, I do run five uh, days a week, but you're playing that long game of like, I'm eventually going to get there and that's going to be a true statement. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's positive thinking. I like that. Yeah. So what habits do you actually have right now? Oh man. Now you won't know if I'm telling the truth. (laughs) I'll I'll believe you anyways. (laughs) Oh man. Um, I'm trying to think I have like, I think I'm actually an insane person when I look at my habits, but like to myself, I'm like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Like I'm not organized enough. 
but I keep a bullet journal and like I I'm not as much because I'm on break and I'm trying to make myself like not be so like anal about everything. But like I color everything in my planner by the quadrants in the the Stephen Kobe book, the like habits of seven habits of highly effective people. Oh, yes. And so like I will put like I will schedule out. This is my social time. This is my music time. This is this. And I will write my goals at the bottom and see like, okay, is everything I did this week lining up with my goals? If not, reevaluate the next week Mm. and switch it up. So I do stuff like that or at least try to. And then like I've been trying to form the habit of like so dumb, but like actually having a morning routine of like taking care of my hair and my face and stuff. Yeah. In quarantine, I just I don't I don't get dressed. I don't care. Like I'll work. I'll be productive. But like there's something about like doing that self-care thing in the morning that I'm like, I should really like, I've let myself go on that. So that's a thing where I'm like, I wake up, I stretch, I do like all this face crap, take a shower and like read for like 10 minutes. Dang, but good for you. I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying. I did that. Have you guys heard of the 75 hard? No. Mm-mm. Okay. It's this challenge. That's like 75 days. Me and my boyfriend did this together. Cause I was like, that sounds like, it's about mental toughness. It's not about like weight loss Wait, or anything. Is this reading and exercise? Yes. I have heard about it. Yes. It's you exercise two times a day, 45 minutes each. Oh. One outside, one in, inside or outside. It doesn't matter. You read 10 pages a day. You follow a diet of your choice. So like it can be anything from I'm not eating sweets to like these calories to like keto, like whatever you choose, Whoa. something you want to do. And then, um, oh, shoot, drink a gallon of water every day and take a progress picture that was the whole day yes every day so for 75 and no alcohol and no cheats so like for me that wasn't a big deal because i'm not a big drinker but like my boyfriend was like i dreamed about a margarita Uh, (laughs) and i drank it in the dream and i feel so guilty But like, good for him. At right, you know, I was like, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, you're gonna be okay. (laughs) You're gonna make. I was like, it's okay, buddy. Um, But after doing that, like, it really stuck out to me how much you have to prioritize taking care of yourself. Like that, it's a ritual. Like I respect people so much that when you're like, oh, could we just do a call during lunch? Like I know you're having your lunch, and they're like, I eat my lunch, like, and read my book, or like I always walk at this time. Like I'm sorry, I can't do a call then. Like. I'm sticking to this because that's how I'm an effective person. Yes. So after doing 75 days of that, I was like, wow, like I've never prioritized myself like that in just a physical way. Like where I'm like, sorry, I can't like get pizza with you or I'll go, but I'm not eating it instead of just like doing whatever everyone wants, which is good too. But like, I've never had such a focus on like, okay, I I do this workout. I can't hang out with my friend tonight because I'm doing this workout and I'm going to be so much happier that I did. And it was it was weird. It was a nice like I wouldn't do it for the rest of my life, but it was a good like recenter on what do you need every day to make you like a normal, happy human being. <laughs> so what, at the end of it, what parts of it did you end up integrating back into your everyday life? I try to read every day at least 10 pages. Nice. And I think I've just like that habit of like starting is something where I'm like, I tell myself I'm going to get on a doll like once a day. Yeah. It can be for five minutes or it can be for an hour. And usually what happens is mm. I start it and then I'll keep going. Yes. Versus if I tell myself, like if I set a lofty goal, like every day I'll do an hour, then like I just get intimidated by it and I don't want to do it. So the smaller goals, I think like that realism was really, really helpful. 
instead of just, you know, being like, I'm going to be a performer. I'm like, I'm going to practice for 10 minutes and see if it goes. <laughs> and you mentioned mantras earlier, too. Like, do you, do you have a mantra that do you do you have one that you say to yourself every morning or like remind yourself? That's something I want to get into. I always like I say so dumb. like my the one Catholic thing I've retained is like a nightly prayer that just like loops in my head. I don't think I actively do it anymore. Sure. But it's like where I'm like. I like, I'm just like, thank you, whatever, like for my life and my family. And then I'm like, help me to be the best musician I can be and make the best music that like impacts people. Like every night I say that. That's yeah. That's a vision statement. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's awesome. Exactly. But what do you think about when you like, do you think about uh, who you're talking to when you say that? Oh man. Like, you mean, like, do I see? Yeah, like, are you addressing, like, is there someone that you're talking to when you say those things? Like, of course yourself, but do you imagine anything or think about where, who you're sending that message to? To me, it's like, this sounds so cliche, but like, it's the universe. It's just Mm -hmm. like, for me, like, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, whatever it is, that thing that I can't, that you can't explain. Like that feeling between people where like, we're having a connection and I don't know how to explain, but like, I just feel stuff and like how things happen. And I don't know how to explain them. That is God or whatever to me. And I just, I don't see it as a face. I don't see it. Like, I don't like, it's not a thing Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. It's just like. I don't know, but it feels like, I don't know, like Jarvis, like, <laughs> like, like Iron Man's like, like, voice, yeah. or I I'm just like, you thank you, you know? It's weird, because I feel very grateful to just, like, I don't, I don't know, like, people would call it God. I just feel grateful for things that happen, and, like, I think it's important to recognize, like, you know, how you said you don't want to give yourself, like, all the credit for doing things, but it's like, you have to recognize your accomplishments, and be like, I did that. I worked hard to build us to 2000 listeners. Like that's incredible. Yeah. But also like, I think the best people also have the humility to be like, I'm so thankful for like, how did all those people, like it's kind of a miracle that all of those people listen to your music and all of Mm -hmm. these social interactions happen that got you where you are. So it's like the thankfulness for like, you have your hard work, you have built yourself to be, you are a great guitarist. You're great players. You have networking skills. Like you did that, but also the cards had to lay out a certain way for it to work out so i think it's just like i don't know yeah. I there's, see yeah, there's no such thing as like a self-made person like you know no no anyone who markets himself as self-made yeah. i think is just blind to all the resources that they've been given exactly yeah well and i think it's so much more like as a musician or anyone it's so much more fun to celebrate with the community yes like, when i graduated i like my post was literally we did it because it wasn't me it was me and my family and all the people who believed in me and gave me these opportunities. Like I didn't feel like it was my accomplishment. I felt like it was like, Oh, my people, we did it. I'm done. You know, I think people get afraid that if, if they start giving other people credit, that all of a sudden they won't feel accomplished, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the accomplishment. But yeah, you absolutely accomplished it with everyone. Yeah. And that's, you can still feel accomplished at the end of the day, right. because especially in your leadership position, you know, you were able to listen to everyone and have empathy in that perspective to, to drive towards that, that end goal yeah. that was rewarding as, and was able to be celebrated with a community. Exactly. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. It's way more fun. I mean, like, I think that's, what's cool about you guys having like a band. I feel like victories are so much more fun when you have people. Yes. Like it can be a little lonely just to be like, awesome. I did it. But you're co-writing with so many people. I'm, I'm not, not to devalidate your experience. I'm sure you do feel lonely at times, but like you, you get to co-write with so many people that it's mm-hmm. almost like you have a giant band. Yeah, that's true. I have a, that's true. It does. What I really like about the community in Nashville and Kansas city, honestly, yeah, is this like 
people are genuinely happy for each other for the most part. Like, we all have that jealousy thing we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, but yeah. for the most part, like, I've never so actively felt like, oh, I want to support my friend's music. Like, I want to buy their CD. I want to be like, this girl works her butt off. Like, I know her. She's amazing. Yes. Like, that would be the, like, mostly what I feel all of the time versus, like, I feel like sometimes in high school or, like, in other places, there's this. Like, I just don't like people who are like, how can you help me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I'm actually too good to talk to you. That's mm. what. And then I'm like, mm-mm. When yeah. they talk past you? Like, yeah. LA's not my favorite vibe for that, for sure. Like. It's sort of a winner's club. Yeah, or I think it's like it's more fear induced. I think there's like because the industry can definitely like screw you over in a lot of ways. But there's this fear of like, I have this precious idea and my artist identity and I don't want anyone to touch it. So I'm doing me and only I can succeed by myself. And I think a lot of people have that in many careers. Like it's this fear of like, I have to do this on my own. And I think you miss out on like so many opportunities and relationships if you're so closed off, you know. Yeah, for the sorry, dude. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say for those people when you say like doing it on your own, you mean kind of like independent artists without the help of like uh, like a label or something, or do you mean like someone who doesn't want to like rely on bandmates or? No, I feel like I mean people who when you're like, oh, let's write a song together, and they're like, uh, I only write by myself. That's very different from saying, oh, you know, like I'm in a season of writing for myself, but I so appreciate you asking. Like, it's the tonality difference, honestly. Yes. The the way you said that was totally different. Yeah. That was a good example. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just like a no for right now, not like a no ever. Because when someone shuts you down forever, you're just like, all right, well, I guess I will literally never reach out to you. (laughs) And also, even if it is a no forever on writing together, that person I would still want a relationship with because they were kind and Mm -hmm. they showed that like, you know, I'm working on my own thing, but like, I'd love to support your show like that. That's cool. It's like if you're like, oh, can I open for you band? And they're like, you know, like we we kind of don't think your sound fits with us, but like we think you guys are great. Like, you know, you'd still be like, oh, they're nice. Like that that's cool. they're supporting us in a different way. Oh, certainly. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm so like it's so relationship driven. People who are mean, like I just I feel like they can't make it. And if they mm-hmm. do, it's like only a matter of time before. <laughs> I think it's, I think the industry is changing a little bit. Maybe maybe I'm ignorant, but I, I have a lot of optimism that there's going to be a whole wave of empathy in the new music uh, industry mm-hmm. coming out of yeah. COVID. Totally, because every every single person all the way up the ladder is vulnerable in some way or another, and we're all relying on each other. Yeah, for sure, for sure. New appreciation for shows too. Like even as a as performers, like I could never have realized how much. I was taking those things, those uh, experiences for granted. Mm-hmm. Like who would have thought that could go away? Yeah. It seems like a basic part of life. Oh my God. It's crazy. It's weird. Before everything was shut down and there were, there were shows and there were live events happening. Yeah. How, how often were you performing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I performed in a lot of writers rounds. Like that's mostly what I did. I would say. Uh, maybe I don't want to say it, it depends on the season, you know, like sometimes there were months where I like I probably played around like twice a week or every other week. Yeah. And then there were months where like I played once a month, you know, so but like probably once or twice a month to three times. Do you depending. have any, any crazy stories from any of the. Oh, my God. Live performances. I yeah. don't know. I feel like I suppressed the crazy ones. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't yeah. want to remember what happened. I don't want to dig up that trauma. That might become a song. Right. Um. <sighs> Jeez, what was cool? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, 
I played at school. I got to play. Um, I covered. It was for like a parent teacher. Like, you know, they bring in the donor parents and they're like, oh, yeah. Thank you for donating. Here's some hors d'oeuvres and please donate more money, <laughs> which is sweet. I love like the people who run it. I love them. So I got to speak and then I played and then they have like a famous like alumni come and it was Devin Dawson, who's like a huge country guy. I don't really listen to much country, but like if you it's saw natural. him, you did. yeah, you know, like he he's big. He's really big. And so I covered his song and he like filmed me playing his song during it. And I was like, he was like, you are so good. Like, I'm going to post this. So cool. And I was like, that's That's cool. That is super cool. cool. So that was neat. Wow. That is really cool. And did you, when you, uh, like you saw him recording while you were playing live? Yes. I saw him. Oh, literally. I was like, all right, I'm going to cover this. Like, I hope I do it justice, Devin. Like I saw him. He was like, don't mess up. was like, what he yelled at me in front of everyone. I was like, okay, geez. And so I played the song and. He was like, I think you did better than me. Like, it was so sweet. Wait, he said don't mess up to you? Yes. <laughs> it was so that's funny. Right. It was so funny. You're like, yeah, that's the point, bro. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, cool, cool, that's cool. Funny. Cool, great. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Cool, totally I've, fine. I can't imagine saying that. Uh, I think it's really funny, but from that position, like telling an artist that's about to open for like, you know, someone that you might look up to, it's right. like, wow. Like, that would probably... Uh, wobble me a little bit like what do you mean yeah yeah no it definitely like but also i feel like it was a great thing for him to say because it humanized him where i was like oh you're messing with me like you were just a person yes instead of him that is really nice if he stood back there and was like like furrowed brow staring at me i think i would have been like (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna think i butchered his song i'm scared oh my gosh yeah, you totally rose to the occasion. Did you, uh, do, well, when music venues do open up again, do you have, like, anything in the works or any particular artists that you would like to open up for? Oh, my God. I would I would cry. I've mentioned her name, like, four times already. I would cry and pee my pants if I opened for Phoebe Bridgers. Oh. She is, well, same instance. I was thinking dope. you would say that. Phoebe Bridgers. I was like, it's one of the Phoebe ones, Bridgers. Uh, her or Leanne Mojavis or, like, Regina Spector. Those are, like, my trifecta of people that I, like, I love so much. Wasn't Phoebe Bridges coming to Liberty Hall or something? She might have been. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Or her band Boy Genius. Mm. I'm just like, ugh. I I love their music. I love, uh, and I think it's great. The production is like almost kind of part of it too. Mm -hmm. But what really gets me is their artist persona and how they've been able to put together with that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really difficult. I think it's hard because like, even creating my own persona, I'm trying to pretty much just pick out the pieces of me that are artistic and then just like blow them up like a balloon and make that just almost cartoonish so that people understand this is exactly how I want to be perceived. That is, I love that you say cartoonish because I think of that like when an an artist is an archetype of a character that you like on a show. Like that's literally it. It's like being like, I love Velma. Like I resonate with being a nerd and like, always doing this, this, and this. You know what they are and you know how they act and yes. that's like what you subscribe to. And it's so weird, but you have to like become this marketable cartoon character, kind of. What parts of Phoebe Bridger's artist persona do you particularly align with? Oh my God. Ugh, I, I don't know. It's like the poetry. I think I like that she's a good balance between being alt but being professional. Yes. Like I think I've, I used to really like really like grunge people who curse all the time and like you know, say gross things that are like funny and like go to hot topic because like, I, I don't know, you think that's cool when you're young and it's still cool to some extent, but I like that. She's kind of like the middle ground where it's like, she's artsy and weird and like this Halloween spooky theme stuff, but she's also like a businesswoman and she has her own label now. Yeah. And she's like, 
you know, she communicates enough for like she's professional and like fond without taking it too seriously. I don't know. I like it. That's a good combo. And the music's just so good. It's so good. It is, yeah. It's so good. What 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 strikes with you the most with it? Is it the messaging? Is it the lyrics or the the poetry of it really gets me because she just describes everyday things and things that you say in ways where I'm like, oh, like I've heard that a million times, but it just hit me when you sang it. And then Ethan Gruska, who like does her production or Gruska, however you say it, it just it's like an it's atmospheric. Like I could just I've get never lost. heard that name. Yeah. What else do they work on? Uh, Ethan Gruska has his own. He has just his own music and he's just produced, I think, her past two albums. Mm. And he like if I had to describe his production, it's like everything sounds like it's underwater, like just slightly underwater, like muddy guitars and like just diving. That's something that people would like, you know, 10, 20 years ago strive to not have. Yep. And here she is like, like, no, this is this is my sound. Yep. Oh, it's great. And it's funny. I think what's cool about it is she like could play all her songs with an acoustic guitar and they would live like beautifully. Like she I think that's why I resonate because that's me. I write on my acoustic guitar. And sometimes I'm like, where do I take this? Like, I wrote mm. it so intricately on that thing. Like, how do I produce it? And I'm seeing her do that. Like, she takes this stripped down song and then turns it into something that still has that character and often has the acoustic, but isn't like, you know, it, it's cool in its own mm-hmm. new way. Yeah, I think that as much as I love production, I think my number one artist, this makes me so basic this year, was, uh, was Tame Paula. I think it's hard to play. Have you heard of Tame Paula? <laughs> the less I know, the better. <laughs> But if you play that song or you play any of Kevin Parker's songs, yeah. like just stripped down on guitar, they hold up still. Oh, yeah. And that, I think, is like a test of whether mm. a song is really great. Oh, yeah. Totally. What yeah, I've been focusing on that actually lately because like, uh, as you guys know, like I love Hippocampus and they always have these really bouncy. Yeah. Like I imagine like a frog being like that lead guitar and it's just like. <laughs> constantly active and i'm trying to get back into like writing uh progressions with a melody over it and that being like a great foundation where i'm kind of right now i'm stuck in like writing a crazy guitar part Mm -hmm. and trying to put a vocal melody to it and it's just yeah i need to get back to the phoebe bridges uh tame impala kind of song structures yeah Although Hippocampus, they have great melodies, too, that weave with those licks. Oh, like, yeah, they totally it's do. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they absolutely have that ability to, like, Jake can play the guitar by himself or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm taking the lead guitar and trying to make that, like, the center of the song. Right. Which is kind of, it's been tough lately, but. Yeah. Have you guys written anything lately where you're like, wow, like, this is, the like, what's the piece you're most proud of lately? Or, like, something you've written that you're like, oh, yeah, that was. That was some good work on my part. I wrote this one song. I kind of want to show it to you, actually. If Please. You, um, it's, I, spent, I wrote it in three hours. I was just like, all right, I'm going to open it up and just try to do this and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it, might, it might take me a second to find. Uh, clipping coupons? Yeah, I'm going to play clipping coupons. Um, when did you get into uh, using a DAW, Great question. I mean, I used GarageBand in high school. Like, mm-hmm. I would say I was a GarageBand person until high school. I, like, started learning Pro Tools maybe my junior year for, like, two seconds. But, like, it just was so intimidated. I was like, I don't I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, it sucks. <laughs> it keeps, like, crashing. I hate Pro Tools sometimes. Yeah. And then Belmont really does a good job of, like, I had to learn it. So, like, my freshman year, I had a Pro Tools class. 
And then every semester I would have some class that required a DAW. Mm-hmm. So I got really good with Pro Tools shortcuts, but then Logic just ended up being what everyone was using for songwriting. Because uh-huh. the songwriting majors are like, how do I get the song down? What's yes. like the easiest? I feel like Logic is way more for the creative, not so techy side. Yes. Whereas Pro Tools is like great for editing and like a full band like recording situation. I mean, they're both uh-huh. good. Mm-hmm. So I started trying to get a lot better at Logic this year. Yeah. Still definitely feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but who does? That's good, though, that you started back in the day, like in high school. Barely. Barely, um, That though. is so nice that ha- I just this year uh, got Logic. And like, yeah. I messed with GarageBand back in the day, but like, yeah, it's a real game changer as far as songwriting. Yeah. Uh, really. How's your experience learning it been? It's been pretty good. I uh, learned um graphic like adobe creative suite in college yeah so like the tools to learn a program kind of transferred over a little bit Mm -hmm. i'm still like don't know what i'm doing but i've been able to get songs down and stuff that's awesome so that's been nice that's awesome yeah my boyfriend and i talk all the time how like audio and like visual are just the same thing with different names when it comes to editing it's weird how similar they are yeah Uh it's really weird like the layers and everything like Mm -hmm. we were talking about uh pedal chains earlier Mm -hmm. like uh visual chains actually like work the same way like if you put like a a filter over something it'll be a different color depending on like the order of filters it's It's, the same thing it's so weird guitar pedals are just filters for your guitar yeah exactly they (laughs) are it's like an instagram filter yeah it's crazy I've got this. I got this pulled up now, but I'm worried that when I click play, it might just blast in our ears since I can only control the volume over there. Okay. So I'll hold it away. Yeah, hold it away for a second, then maybe go back in closer if you can. And please don't hold back. Just you know, talk over the song. Tell me what you think <laughs> because and what some people might not know is that the first time I ever wrote a song start to finish and and finished the song was actually in this very room uh during the first oh. shades of blue really? album yeah for real what was that what was that beat you by a mile yes oh my yeah. god <laughs> learned so, a lot since i saw you're telling dude. me i made you finish a song in this room well because i couldn't let you down it was like it was that same thing with collaborating and co-writing i was like oh well i gotta we gotta turn out a product oh my god i'm so that mean was... no you're not mean no no it was it was encouraging it was a positive experience good, good. It, i'm glad it's every reason why i feel comfortable showing this song right now okay yeah, it's just a demo oh. That's awesome. Okay, let's see. It might it might be loud.
kind of the opposite of everything. I feel like at least you and I, Christian, thought was music. Like when we were like 17, 18. Yeah. It's literally the opposite of what I ever would have guessed. Like, I think you know what I mean. Like guitar pedals, no, almost no guitar and like electronic drums. I, I mean, I love I, it. No, I would have been, t- I wouldn't have wrote something like this. Like no, even I know. two it's, years ago. It's really a, uh, do you mind turning back up the monitor a little oh, bit? Yes. Is that yes. like the instrument purism of being like, everything needs to be real instruments, everything uses like electronic stuff? Yes. Is- okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Then I went through some speech therapy and I stopped talking like this and then <laughs> I was able to use electronic instruments. Oh my yeah. God. That's sick. What was the synth, the super spacey synth that you start out with? Or whatever uh, that spacey sound is. It's a sine wave. I uh, I heard, I listened to a podcast that George sent me uh-huh. um, that was interviewing Dave from Glass Animals. Yes. And he said he always starts with a sine wave. Huh. I was like, well, that makes it easier, you know, because yeah. there's like a million different waves you could try to use on a sense. So I'll just go start with a sine wave like him. And I got a nice good pulse where it was like, wah, wah, wah. I'm like, okay, this will just be nice for like a background to kind of yeah. keep that rhythm. And I'll just keep that going through the entire thing. So it'll just be like the bass, like the, not the bass, but like huh. your foundation. Is That's it, awesome. Is Thank that you. there throughout the entire song? Like you don't stop that sound. what do you call it? Sine wave. It's a sine wave. Sine wave. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't go away. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah, I, wow. and then towards the end, one of the synths that's like not playing the arpeggios, but it's just sort of like buzzing, is going in and out between a saw, a sine wave and a saw wave. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it, it really accentuates that uh-huh. pulse. That's sick. I love that. But yeah. And you, I think, I don't know if you texted me this or if like I read a post of yours where you're saying you've taught yourself like all of this production. Yeah, mainly over lockdown. Yeah, that's insane like that you should be so proud that that's where you've come from now until march that's incredible i'm no i'm really happy with it like i i'm really happy with myself um that means a lot coming from you especially though because you know i it's like well it's different because you know i can just be like yeah like look at myself like in the morning make my bed and be like no one's gonna tear me down because i know who i am and whatever but then when you but at the end of the day part of my identity is determined by what other people think oh yeah so when you say that it, it means a lot good yes. oh my god yeah and the vocal production dude that's is that all you that's all me yeah another Sick. another trick i learned from dave just that's stacking awesome. a shit ton of vocals that's awesome yeah. yeah i think that that i might grow out of that a little bit but for now i'm having a lot of fun experimenting like it. with it oh yeah, yeah. it's a, it's the t- uh, like this is not making fun of it at all, but it's sure. so every indie boy I know that doesn't like their voice is like, all right, so if I put 500 versions of myself, <laughs> you got it. then I'll like it. <laughs> and it usually works. Yeah, well, John Lennon, he never would let his voice go undoubled. Yeah. Or in other words, oh. he always doubled his vocals. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he, he's a classic indie boy. Yeah. So. Well, that's some indie girls that I like are like that too. Like Claro, there's always completely panned left and right two vocals. And it's like, yes. it sounds like a chorus effect, but it's mm. different because they just have the two vocals going at the same time that are just minutely off. It's And I didn't realize, like, that's what I love about so much music until my boyfriend, who's an audio engineer, was like, you realize that's two vocals in the left and right. Oh, and my gosh. Like, Thank you for your science, sir. You guys are a power couple. I, mean, <laughs> I know. You're the songwriter. He, he's the producer. Yeah, and that's. Yeah. Do you let him edit your songs? You know, he so he's kind of pivoted to do he does more videography and photography now. Um, He's not like super into audio anymore, but I definitely get his opinion on stuff where I'm like, like, because I can write a good song. I can come up with good parts and I can hear in my head kind of what I want. But I really do struggle with the tech side. 
So like, there's a song I've been working on for months and I'm like, what is wrong with this Bennett? Like, tell me what is wrong with this. Cause I can't figure it out, but something's off. And he'll be like, well, the vocal take that you took sounds like it was on like a pretty bad microphone or like a low fidelity mic. You could add some highs into it. Or I would honestly just recut the vocal and having someone who's like trained and can like hear stuff that I can't, like, I can't like, or he'll be like, what if you panned it this way? I think it would do better. Like having that brain is really nice to bounce ideas off of, but you that know, it's awesome. Yeah, it could be as simple as like there's just not enough space in the mix because there's too much like yeah panned in this one particular area yep. and you're like i'm not thinking about that when i'm just trying to figure out like i don't know the song structure oh yeah or it, like what kind of motifs i want to like drive home yep it's, it drives me crazy and like i think the biggest enigma is like where so you have that and it's like okay well what what do you have to do to take that from that demo to being like professional quality yes where does it lie in that like small bit that changes it is so hard it's so mm. hard i feel that it's weird I, i've been listening to like industrial music lately mm-hmm. like kind of like nine inch nails stuff okay and sometimes um you know they'll have a drum beat that is like so basic yeah and i just don't i'm like doing that i'm like doing i'm using that drum beat and it's just like the sounds that they're getting make this like boots, cats, boots like that kind of thing just like make it shine so much for how simple it is yeah it's huge respect for the engineers oh yeah and i love an engineer who really hears out what your vision for the song is mm-hmm. because that like you said there's that little bit that you need to go to take it from a demo to professional. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to just completely transform so the song sorry. there. Good. It's so easy to just get off the wrong path or not stay focused and accidentally end up with a product that's totally different than what you initially set out for. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a disaster. Oh yeah. It's that is the most heartbreaking thing when you put like months into a song, all your money into a song yeah. to get it back and be like, I hate this. Yes. Oh, like, man. and it happens so often it's so upsetting like or to like get it so close but it's not redeemable like oh the one that i'm working on right now is driving me insane because i finally like the track is where i want it it's so good and i'm like is it done and then i've had like two people they're like you need to recut the vocal i'm like i don't want to i don't want to i'm like but i know they're right it'd be different if i was like no i believe in that vocal cut i love it but i'm like you're right but i don't want to you know Mm -hmm. it sucks it sucks. It's weird. Mm. But it's also like the power of a cold email is so like mm. yeah. insane. Like I've just sent rant. Like that's how I got ex ambassadors at school was I literally that's just wild. emailed them. And they're like, yeah. But I'm like, yeah. What? Emails are crazy. Yeah. I, uh, I've been bothering Hippocampus's management for Good. like four years. Good. And, uh, like, I think their manager at least has to like, rec- like, I don't know if he knows us, but I've talked to him like three or four times and it's always like, no, we can't get you on this time. Yeah. But the thrill of talking to someone like that oh. is just like, oh my God, like <laughs> he knows them. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's funny. It also makes it seem so much more real. You're like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, it's not that far away. This, that's yeah, just like, this is the guy. If he wanted to, he could do it for oh, us. Yeah. We just got to figure out how to get him to do it. I think pounding, that's write it yeah. down. Write I, it down. Hate, I hate emailing, but I do kind of miss that. Like, there's really, I mean, I could be doing press emails or something, but like, mm-hmm. I miss booking shows, trying to get that crazy gig. Like, you usually don't get it, but yeah. when you do, it's just so exhilarating. Totally. Totally. Yeah, that's weird. Man. 
My my computer wants to connect to a um a Bluetooth device for some reason. When I turn okay. the Bluetooth off, I'm gonna just click this one. Here we go. It won't be too loud. We'll see. We'll get the blast. Oh, nice. There you go. Nice. We'll see how loud the acoustic is. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I love how the 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 part like the real hook part like of like. Because up until that that end where you were like singing the parking lot panties over and over again, yeah. they're like you only really said it once, you know, once or twice, yeah, once or uh-huh. twice. So it was almost like I was like looking for like a chorus that was like you know maybe more traditional, but instead like you had this like subverted chorus where it was just like the one line, <laughs> yeah, and then you go back into the next verse and continue to tell the story. Yeah, it's a very unique song structure for sure. It yeah. reminds me, like in terms of like the message of the lyrics, it kind of reminds me of. Um, Oh, that really famous song by the drums. The like, I want like about money and how I, I want to buy you something. Yeah, and it's like it's always not really just about like wanting to buy people money. It's about you know how those relationships are much more than just like what they're financially built on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can see that like you have that story of transformation by the end of it, and mm-hmm. that's when all the parking lot pennies, uh, like the refrain, comes in more and mm-hmm. more, and and the production picks up and. What were you stomping? It was that like the bass drum or God, I'm trying to remember for the, I had this. So I originally had drums that didn't quite fit. Like they just weren't like they had some bleed and weren't good. So I had this guy named Caleb, like redo them remotely. Those drums are really beautiful. He's so good. Like yeah. he's so good. So I don't know what he did. We just said, Hey, Kate's music is weird. Like go crazy. Like wow. kind of nice. 80s vibes. It. Right? I was like, I kind of like Phil Collins is so what I'm thinking. Yeah. So good. So I don't know what he did, but it was probably weird. I mean, it kind of sounded like a briefcase to me at some point. Like yeah. sometimes I use that as like a the bass drum or a kick where I like just hit the, you know, suitcase, but I don't know what he did. That's it was great. So did he do the percussion stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. He did. Wow. He did. That was so good. There was all these little clicks and stuff that were just like pushing the mm. head knot. I was like, oh, uh, man, that was beautiful. There's one little yeah. pop in particular that had just like a lot of sustain on it that mm. I really liked because I got more of a feel for like how big the production was in there. Like the, yeah. this space I would imagine you being in, if I heard that live, would be like just a really, really large place. Yeah. And it, I strive for, to do that in my own music, but it's really difficult. To create that space effectively. It's it's so like the the illusion of space is a really weird thing to try to create. Yeah. Like it's hard. But I'm really glad this one worked out. Like my friend Jesse, she is like the only person, one of the only people where if I bring a song to her, she somehow like comes back with this production where I'm like, oh, you like you're in my head, like you know, and it's so cool. Because like that guitar part's kind of complicated. So I was like, I don't know if it's Uh gonna be able to have anything but you know, just the guitar part, and she just yeah, because it could have gone horribly. Oh you know, yeah, and the majority of the time it goes horribly when you put your music in someone else's hands. Yes, so yes, that is yeah, it's a gift to have someone who can get inside your head like that. Yeah, the the guitar part is complicated. How many different sections are there? I kind of caught on to like three or four. I think three or four. So I have like that kind of like introverse pattern, and then like the walk down into that weird like if I could be. And then there's another riff with like the harmonics and then like the outros kind of like a conglomeration of all of that somehow. Yeah. What made you decide on that song structure? Um, you know, (laughs) I don't know if I decided. Sure. Um, 
It was like I was playing a lot of just fingerstyle stuff because I love like Bombay Bicycle Club is like one of my oh, favorites yeah. mm-hmm. and I love their acoustic albums and EPs. And so I was just playing a lot with like I think I took a songwriting class at Belmont and we were doing like harmonics in altered tuning week. So I made up that tuning. I literally have to write it. It's on that like little piece of tape on the side of my guitar because I always forget it. It's weird. So I had this weird tuning and I was like, all I can really do with this is like figure stuff out. So I came up with that riff and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I just sat down to write and like it all just kind of poured wow. out of me in one one sitting. Wow. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, that's that's it's really hard to have that much closure at the outset. But you must have been really inspired to, to write about that particular yeah. experience. Yeah, totally. Totally. It was like. I mean, it's obviously it's a love song. It was about like my boyfriend that I'm dating now and we've been dating for like two months. And I know it's so cheesy. Like, I always think, how can I write another freaking love song? (laughs) I'm sick of this. Like in middle school, the EP I released was called like too many love songs. So there's just some like, like, you know, it feels like you can't anymore. But I just had this image because I think like he had gone home for something and like He's one of those people that's like, oh, like, here are my fond memories of my youth. Like, he loves, like, Lord of the Rings, Pokemon. And, like, hearing someone talk about stuff they're passionate about is, like, the most cute, like, moment where you're like, oh, I love hearing, like, so-and-so talk about their hobbies. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea of, like, I feel like when you start dating someone, like, that you really like, it's, like, all I want is to be... Even if it doesn't work out, I want when they talk about me to be, like, when they talk about those memories. When they talk about, like, Oh, I loved like basketball, like in the backyard with my family. Like I want to be that like a happy chapter. And so the whole song is just kind of like, you know, I want to be in that box, like at the garage sale that when he looks at it, it's like, Oh, I loved that time. You know? Mm. So I yeah. read that. It, it could, it, yeah. Because memories over time are going to grow a lot richer and they mm-hmm. are going to go either richer in a negative direction or a positive one. Right. And yeah, I believe in definitely leaving on a good note and on any situation. Yeah. For sure. So that to me, that sounds like it's commercial and ready to go. Yep, it's done. It is done and it will be mastered. And then that's all just to be mastered. So when, when can we expect you to release that? <sighs> Sometime in the new year. I was thinking January, but the other song that I wanted to release after it's taken a little longer. So January or February, probably. Um, and then we'll see i have another one recorded but the thing i don't know if you guys feel this way when you like a lot of music is like i have this right i don't know what genre you'd call it acoustic girly bop the next song i have is like pop bass like dua lipa vibes and so i'm like i'm like how do i like brand those two very different Mm -hmm. genres so we'll see but it'll be fun interesting we're kind of going through a similar thing Mm -hmm. recently because you heard his uh, newest track, which yes. is like definitely a different direction. And then, you know, we have we were raised in the belief that rock or like guitars are the way to go, you know? Right. Like, totally. And it's just. Yeah, I barely use guitar in the last one. So like, yeah. And then Matt's writing his own stuff, too. So it trying oh. to like, you know, put that under the same umbrella of like a band yeah. is going to be yeah a challenge because people want some sort of consistency. Right. And yeah. that's going to be tough to toe that line. But. Yeah, I believe we're going to do it. Yeah, that's that's one benefit of still being in the like building your fan base like stage that it's like just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and whatever people like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. go down that rabbit hole a little more. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is weird. Though. I'm like, oh, what? Jo- who am I? What is the <laughs> yeah. genre? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know. 
Yeah, because you have to know who you are before you even try and go out there. And that's really hard to know who you are when you're when you're young. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just crazy how much the production can swing it. Like I could sing you the same exact song and it could be produced 4000 different ways and make me a completely different artist. So it's like your producer has to be like really in the zone with you. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I could go completely down the wrong way. So, yeah, yeah, we went down a lot of rabbit holes today. (laughs) It was great. uh, we're, We're just about out of time. Where where can people find you? Okay, um, ain't that the question? On all social media, I'm Kate, K-A-T-E-M Cosentino, which is C-O-S-E-N-T-I-N-O. Very Italian, very long. Very Italian, very long. Ends in a vowel. Yeah, ends in a vowel. That's how you know. Ends yes. in a vowel and a hand well, yes. gesture. Kate that you Cosentino. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Just, yeah. like, just like the grocery stores. Yep. Oh my God, yes. It's good that you also have the same... Uh, like same handle across all social medias because we were not able to do that. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. It was, it's, that's, that's one thing that like, if you can get that, that's so lucky, but it's hard. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's a challenge and you also can't spend too much time on it. No, no. Oh my God. Yeah. Like with a big chick energy, the like guitar straps that I make, all of them are different. It's like underscore big chick dot big, like everything's different. So, <laughs> so then lastly, then like, what, what are your, what are your plans for the future? How much longer are you staying here in Kansas city before you go back to Nashville? And what is your game plan when you get back there? Do you have one? That is the question I've been asked like probably every day for the past month. I know I sound like, like a, like a family member at Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, right. Like the uncle that's like, so what, what now? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my plan is I'm going back after the new year, yes. I'll drive back to Nashville. Um, and like I, I miss Casey. Honestly, if like if I wasn't in a relationship, I probably would have stayed in Kansas City like oh. until school started because like I'm so creative here when like because I think because I can't really write with that many from people from Nashville that I'm like, cool, don't have to network. Here I am in my zone. Yes. So but I'm going to go back and like do my co-writes and just try to focus on the artistry, at least for the semester that I've like, you know, graduated early for. Um, and then, yeah, so that's the game plan, building the fan base, releasing those, that song, the other song I was talking about, and maybe a handful of others leading to an awesome. EP. Just grinding. Grinding. On that workaholic vibe. No I, sleep. No sleep. Yeah. Yes. No sleep till Nashville. Yes. Uh-huh. I think it'll be a good time because we're eventually we're going to come out of the COVID era and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully be ready to release all that music and yep. tour some It'll be good. I think it'll be really good. I think the day we'll know is one day when we're both touring and like our tours cross. Oh, that'll be like the ultimate moment. (laughs) (laughs) Until that day, thank you so much, Kate. This has been great. Thank you. We will do it again soon, as soon as you're back in town, or maybe we'll catch up in Nashville or something when when traveling's actually open. Yeah. Uh, Fingers crossed. This is awesome.